I want you to know today that the struggle has its purpose. The struggle has its purpose. The struggle is purifying you. It's refining you. It's building your character. Like I'm who I am right now because of a lot of the things that I've walked through, lived through, experienced. I'm the pastor I am today because of all of that. And I think that what I know all too well is this, is that too often in our struggles, we think about giving up. I came here today to ask you the question, is it possible that in your life, the struggle has its purpose? The caveat to that obviously is that the struggle doesn't always have purpose. I get, you know, going through something, you know, difficult. It's not always like, oh man, God must have something for me in this. It's not always that. I was like, man, life is hard. Like, like God did not give you that circumstance necessarily. But what I've learned about God is that, is that there's not always the struggle, like the struggle doesn't always have a purpose, but God always has a way of pulling purpose out of every struggle. Hey, we are in week six of a teaching series called Becoming Wise. And uh, this has been a series where we have been in the book of Proverbs, uh, because Proverbs is a book that is full of wisdom for how to navigate life. And uh, as I have said uh, just about each week in this series, I have been in a season of my life where I have needed some wisdom. I have, I have needed direction. I needed God to speak. You, you, you ever been at a point in your life where you just feel like maybe your wisdom uh, you know, reaches its end and you just need something else? You need something more than what you have? And I've just needed some of that. I've needed it um, uh, in terms of our church, uh, not just me, but our leadership team. We've uh, obviously been in a time of making decisions and trying to listen to God, and, and, uh, but I've needed it in my own life, you know, like our family, uh, myself. Uh, there's been uh, just things I've been walking through, just needing wisdom, needing God to direct my life. And um, so I've been, I've been personally just reading through the book of Proverbs, um, kind of reminding myself of just the the brilliance of, of so many of the Proverbs that uh, Solomon wrote. And uh, God's been doing some great things in me, speaking uh, s- some incredible things to me. And I just kind of thought in this series it'd be a little different than maybe what I've done in the past. I thought I would just share with you some of the things that God's been doing in me, and hopefully it'll help you in your spiritual journey as well. I, um, I typically uh, map out uh, teaching series in advance before like we start them. Uh, this one has been like, uh, unlike any that I've done, I've, I've just been kind of getting started on, on Tuesday or Wednesday, not knowing what I'm teaching that Sunday, uh, just taking it sort of week by week, like just reading in Proverbs and going, okay, all right, I guess we'll, go to, we'll do that. And so this week I was, I was uh, journaling uh, on a, a verse that stuck out to me, and, and I just like, I'm like, man, I could maybe write a sermon out of that. So that's just what I, what I did. And, and, um, and so, you know, I think that that regardless of where you are at, whatever season you are in, I think we all could use more wisdom. I think we all, especially given the times that we're in, I mean, we're living in some crazy times, some disorienting times as a follower of Jesus. Like, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to say it's unlike any other time in history, but I really don't know because uh, I, I, I only know in, my, in the last 40 years. But, but it seems super complex more than any other time I can remember. It's a pretty complex time to live in, pretty complex time to, to raise kids or have grandkids and to just see the challenges that they're all facing. And um, we need to maybe sometimes step back. I think it would benefit us to step back and go, hey, where's my wisdom at? Like, like am, I, am I still as wise as I once was? Is my wisdom keeping pace? Is it keeping up with like the changing times? And you know, you look out there and there's all these advances in technology, you know, everything going crazy. There's there's lifestyles and worldviews and, and, and uh, uh, I mean, all the, all the stuff. And you're just like, man, the world is so different today than it was even five years ago. Has my wisdom kept pace? Is, is it keeping up? Is, is the wisdom of the Lord bearing the right kind of fruit in my life? Uh, considering all that's going on in the world around me, all that's going on outside of me and all that's going on within me as well, uh, where's my wisdom at? And so I was reading this week in Proverbs 24, and I came across a verse that, that hit me in the face. I've had a couple of those in this series. It just like hit me. It hit me uh, for, uh, really, really because I think it, it so closely reflects my life. Um, you know, if you, if you know me very well, you know that the last seven years of my life, there has been event after event after event after event of like struggle, difficulty, adversity, challenge, 
Uh, I mean, I could, I could rehearse it. You could, you could give me therapy today. You know, like, I mean, we, I, there's just been a lot. Like, and, and uh, I came across Proverbs 24.10, and it, and it just hit me. It stuck with me, and, and it was actually emotional uh, to me as I, as I began to read it back um, over and over again. And it says this. Um, it says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Now, I was thinking about that verse and specifically focusing on strength because as, as Christians, like we understand this language, you know, that like God is our strength, that the joy of the Lord is your strength, that like, you know, we, we run to God as like our strength, that in our weakness, he is made strong and all this stuff. Like, and, and so this verse began to speak to me because I'm like, man, day of adversity or day of struggle, like if, if I'm, if I'm, not overcoming, if I'm, if I'm giving up, if I'm fainting, you know, to use the language in the verse, it's revealing something to me about my strength. That like what, what my strength is in versus where it should be. Because when, when, I, when my strength is coming from God, I, I want you to know like that strength is not small and it doesn't run out. And, and what, is, what, is, what has been a revealer to me recently is just, just looking at some of the, the times in my life, the different chapters and going, man, like I, I think I might've been relying more on my own strength than I, than I should have and, and not relying on the strength of God. And so I just, just came here with a couple questions today. Number one is, is there, anything, is there anyone here this morning that knows what it means to struggle? Anybody here this morning that knows what it means to face some adversity? Something I've learned all too well is that the day of adversity or the day of struggle comes for everyone, Right? Every person, no matter if you're a good person, a bad person, uh, everyone will experience their own day of adversity. And, and that adversity is really a test to see what it is that we're made of, to see whether or not we will faint, to see if we're strong enough, right? And if the day of adversity causes you to quit, then you probably didn't have enough strength, right? And so, the day of adversity, what, I've, what I'm realizing and learning, it's not, it is not what makes your strength small. It is what reveals the size of your strength. It shows you what it is that you're made of. And so in some sense, I think we should welcome the day of adversity as this great revealer of, of, of our strengths and our weaknesses. And again, does anybody know what it means to struggle? Have you ever had to say, not today, Satan? You ever had to do something like that? So I've been struggling lately as I've been driving around in a car with broken air conditioning. And I've been struggling. I've been, I've been you know, showing up to meetings drenched in sweat. The other day I took a, a, an ice cold can of Dr. Pepper with me in the car, not to drink it, but to hold it up to my face and, uh, and just cool myself off a little bit. Uh, I like to think that, that, I, that I know what it means uh, to struggle. Uh, so many, so many first world uh, problems, right? We struggle with. But uh, I mentioned last week that I spent, I spent the pr uh, previous week uh, power washing uh, my deck and staining it. And I remember as I was doing this, I, I started to think about like what people used to do before power washers uh, existed. You know, like think about that. Like, have you ever done a project that required a power tool? And then after you're done, have you ever thought about like what people used to do to do that task before power tools were invented? Like people actually used to use hammers, like like re, like like to build a building, and like you know not just to put like two pieces of wood together, like screwdrivers. Like I mean, this is what people used to do. And I'm just sitting there thinking about all that this week, like you know, because I got, I've got some time to think. And I, I so I've been thinking recently about how much easier life is for us today than it was for our ancestors. In fact, I'd say that contrary to what you hear on the news, life has never been better than it is right now. I'm going I'm to explain it to you. If you think about it, over the last 1,000 years, life expectancy has increased by 50 years. Every one of us living in the West, even if we are in poverty, none of us are hunting for our food. None of us are looking for fire. None of us are, are searching for shelter, right? We we are living at a pretty good time. We are extremely fortunate to be living at this time in history. We're living at a time where unbelievable advances in medicine have eradicated diseases that for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of year prior, years prior to our existence killed lots and lots of people. 
And as a society, we have never been more educated than we are today. Poverty has never been as low as it is today. And, and, and this is where I'm going with this. I've, I've been thinking about this recently. I've been, I'm thinking about how life in so many ways compared to how my grandparents lived on this planet is easier and it's better and it's more convenient. And yet it's fascinating when you look at the data today. How many people, although life is easier and life is better, are struggling like never before? It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, suicide is up, like huge. Mental health issues. Doctors are handing out SSRIs like it's candy. I mean, it's just, it's just wild, like, like depression, anxiety, families getting split apart. I mean, you know, you know, you know how, how it goes, right? People questioning their identity. People looking for purpose. People unhappy literally everywhere that they go. And, and so this is where, where my mind has been. I, I've been wondering this. Like, I, I wonder if in all of our comfort and convenience, we've forgotten the one thing that has been bringing purpose and meaning to humanity from the very beginning, and that is to struggle and face adversity. To struggle and face adversity, to accomplish something, to achieve something. You see, struggle and adversity have a way of giving meaning and purpose to our life. They are the thing that really does show us what we are made of. And from the beginning of humanity, struggle and adversity, limitation has been the breeding ground of innovation. If you think about it, every good thing that we enjoy today, every good thing, every convenience that we enjoy today, humanity had to struggle without it for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, relative to the history of humanity, think about how recent the invention of the refrigerator is. Relative to the history of humanity, think about how recent the stove is and electricity and indoor plumbing, right? Is there anyone grateful this morning that you live at a time in history where indoor plumbing has been invented. Can I get a good amen, amen. right? Amen. Come on. And so th th here's just a thought I, I, I had is that throughout all of history, humanity has been met with struggle. Throughout all of history. There's always been times of adversity. Humanity has historically always had something in front of them that wasn't easy, something that was difficult to fight for, something that was difficult to contend for. I like what Nietzsche says. I'm not a huge Nietzsche guy, but, but I, I do like what he says here. He says, uh, this question, what makes us heroic? What, what makes us heroic? He asks the question. So in other words, what makes us like, like overcome? What makes us accomplish? What makes us heroic? And he says, he says this, he says, confronting simultaneously or at the same time our supreme suffering and our supreme hope. And so what Nietzsche is saying here is, is, is that heroes confront what is in front of them. So when something comes up, I'm willing to face it. I'm not backing down. I'm not checking out of the fight. I'm sticking with it. And so what I have been wondering about myself, right? I've, I've been doing some, some reflection. I've been, I've been thinking through some of the key chapters of my life. And, and what I have been asking myself lately is this, is have I ever wasted some of my struggles? Have I ever wasted some of my struggles? I've faced some. I'm not a stranger to some struggle. I'm not a stranger to adversities, to some trauma. In fact, five years ago, after my uncle passed away, I was diagnosed with PTSD, and it's just been a thing. It's just been, I'm like, ah, what's going on? And so I'm not a stranger to some struggle. Some of the struggle has hurt pretty bad. Some struggle that has nearly taken me out. Nearly taking me out. And I've wondered lately if at times I've had the wrong perspective about the different struggles that I've gone through. I've thought about how much of my prayer life at times has been all about wanting to avoid or alleviate struggle. How much of my prayers have been spent complaining about my struggles, venting to God about my struggles. Man, God, like, why are you sending me through this? Like, like, like would you just step in? I'm tired of going through this. Have you ever had prayers that sound like that? I'm like, man, I sound an awful lot like David in the Psalms, like just mad at God. And, and then eventually I get to the end and I'm like, but I love you and I praise you and you're good and all that stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Just want to get that in so, uh, you know, I, I, so that I live. So... Yeah. 
So what I've been considering lately is that there are some struggles that are worth embracing. I've been considering that thought, that there are some struggles that are worth embracing because of this thought right here, because I believe that the struggle has its purpose. The struggle has its purpose. I think about everything good in my life, everything good, you know, and, and honestly, there have been times where I'm like, I, I try to write a list out of everything good, and it, 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 it's not very long, uh, you know, I, I'm like, it's like dot, dot, dot on the screen, you know, I don't even know how to get started, but, but literally every good thing in my life, I've had to struggle for it. Every good thing has had some level of adversity, some level of opposition that I had to face, I had to refuse to back down from. I think about uh, the early days of, of my wife and I dating long distance, a struggle. This is before FaceTime, writing actual letters to each other, no social media, some emailing. I had some pretty good emails going back and forth back then. Um, I mean, living long distance, struggling, like, like not sure if we're gonna make it, if we can do this. I want you to know something that I learned after all that time of being apart and all these years of being together that the struggle has its purpose. I think about all those years of us like wanting to have a larger family, struggling to get pregnant, and, and I want you to know like the struggle has its purpose. Like I, I can look back now and see the purpose of God. I can see that God was faithful in the season of waiting, in the season of like wishing away the struggle. I can see the hand of God. And sometimes when you are in it, when you're just stuck in it and, you're, and your, your vision is, 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 is obstructed to a degree, you can struggle to see the hand of God at work in your life. But let me tell you something, when you remain faithful, when you walk with God, when it's not easy, you get to a point in your life where you can look back on your journey and your story and see the hand of God, the faithfulness of God that he never left, that he was there the whole time. I think about different experiences of mine as a pastor over the years, a few different different churches I've been at where there has been some serious drama in the church. Like, I, I, I've been exposed to some crazy. I don't know if you have or not, but I've been, I've been exposed to some crazy stuff in the church. church. Just doing church, being at church, it's like, this doesn't look like Jesus. I don't know what we're doing here. And the struggle has its purpose. Like, I'm who I am right now. Because of a lot of the things that I've walked through, lived through, experienced, I'm the pastor I am today because of all of that. And I think that what I know all too well is this, is that too often in our struggles, we think about giving up. We just think about giving up. I, uh, I have been, I think of different stories where I've just been overwhelmed. I've just been like, I wanna punch out. I want to punch out. Some of you, your marriage is a struggle right now. You've wondered if you should just give up. Or maybe you're struggling at your job and you think, let me just quit. Life's going to be a whole lot easier. And so often we lie to ourselves and start believing that the grass is greener someplace else. We think, well, you know, this, offended, this friend offended me, so I'm just going to get a, 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 a different friend or... You know, this thing caused me pain, so I'm going to run away from the pain. I'm going to find, you know, go somewhere else. And I like, I like what Isaiah says, I, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 43, this is, this is classic famous uh, language in Scripture here, but he says, he says this, uh, and, he, and he's speaking on behalf of God. He says, fear not, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Okay, let's stop there. I mean, that plays right into a lot of the things Matt just said in communion this morning, but he's he like, I, I've redeemed you, I've called you by name, you are mine. Like I, I have repeated these words over myself. Like, like sometimes I've, I've come into prayer recently and these, these are the only words that I've been able to get out. I've just said, I said, fear not. Like, like I, I am redeemed, I am called by name, I am his. Like, it, it, and it's, it's this powerful reminder. But then God goes on and says in verse two, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. I like this. I like the language. There's, it's like transitional language that Isaiah is using. It's, it's, he's saying when you're going from here to there, when you're passing through, when you're walking through, 
He, he's not talking about, he's not using language of, of, of uh, uh, like permanent language here. He's not saying, look, like, like when you live in the struggle, when you live in the fire, when you build a house in, in a place of difficulty, just uh, I'll be with you there. No, he's, he's using transitional language. He's saying when you're going from this season into this season, it's all right. You're going to maybe walk through some things, but fear not. He goes, I'm with you. You're mine. And though you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. So I came here with a challenge this morning that when we are thinking about giving up, you have to remember that the struggle has its purpose. The struggle has its purpose. Let me show you uh, how. I got three things. I think that the struggle brings appreciation. The struggle brings appreciation. You ever had to struggle for something? You ever had to fight for something? And once you got it, you appreciated it so much more than if it had just been given to you? You ever had to struggle for something? I don't, um, you know, uh, anybody, anybody into, into, into working out, exercising? Like, what's that like? <laughs> but I hear in theory that for those of you who, <laughs> who like to hit the gym, that when you hit your personal best, when you're lifting more than you used to, when you're accomplishing, when, it, when all of a sudden you're looking in the mirror and you're like, I'm making some gains, there is something, there, 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 because it doesn't happen overnight, there, 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 there's that, that appreciation. You step back and you're like, I did that. You ever, you ever had to save for something? Instead of just putting it on a credit card, you're like, you're like I'm gonna, we're going to plug away. We're going to save. We're going to either pay this off or we're going to save to buy that. You ever had to do that? And, and, and you, you get to that point where you accomplish what you've been saving for, there's a sense of appreciation. Man, I did that. I, like, I did, I did that. Can you believe that I did that? I felt that way after I stained my deck last week. I, let me just tell you, I've been walking out to my deck every day. I got my cup of coffee. I did that. I want you all to know I did that. It wasn't easy. I felt it for several days. But I did that. So here's what I think. I think that your struggle will bring you a new sense of gratitude if you don't give up. If you don't give up. A new satisfaction, a new fulfillment. I, I, I've been thinking about just our family and some of the struggles over the years. I think about different things you know, with our kids or even in our marriage or whatever it is. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, We have just gone through things and, 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 and more than once we've been like, man, we did that. Like we did that. We went through that. It didn't kill us. There's a whole new appreciation for our life and what we have because we've gone through some things. We didn't give up. We have an appreciation for where we are, where God has brought us because in the middle of the fire, in the middle of the waters, uh, we, we didn't give up. We didn't quit. We didn't faint. We found that even when we wanted to quit, that our strength wasn't as small as we thought it was. And so the struggle brings appreciation. Number two, the struggle builds character. It builds character. Something really important about this is that God always cares more about who you become than what you accomplish. He always cares more about who you become than what you accomplish. Who you become is your character. And what you do with your life is your contribution. None of your accomplishments will go with you into eternity. You're the one going into eternity someday. And so this is why God will oftentimes use struggles to build character on the inside of you and me. Because God doesn't want you to arrive where he is taking you without the character that you need when you get there. God is way more concerned about who you become than with what you do. And so character is what you do when no one else is watching for sure. But I think that it's more than that. I think character is, is more than that. I think if that's really all you focus on, that's probably okay. But I do think character goes, goes beyond that even, especially as followers 
of Jesus. I, I was thinking about this thought that, that character is the strength to carry God's blessing. It's the strength to carry God's blessing. What I mean by this is, how many of y'all know that the blessing of God is heavy? Have you ever felt the weight of God's blessing? You ever been so blessed? You ever just feel blessed? You're like, whoa, like this is, this is a heavy thing. Some of us have never considered the weight of a blessing. The responsibility of how to carry a blessing. So many times we assume that when God blesses us that the blessing is just for us. And, and truthfully, like sometimes, sometimes it is because you have a good father and he's like, hey, I want you just to enjoy this. But I think that when you're a person of character, you have the strength to carry that blessing. And as you carry the blessing, you're open to the possibility that the blessing is meant for something else or someone else. That you're just kind of the pass through. You're the, you're, you're the filter. Like the blessing of God is just, it's just being channeled through you to someone else or through you to some, something else. Character is the strength to carry God's blessing. Like I, I have my eyes on the kingdom. I have my eyes on the things that God wants to accomplish on this earth. And so, and so I'm thinking, okay, God, like how can I partner with you? And it may be through, through doing things uh, to, to bless your church, but it might just be things that no one else knows about. It might just be that you, you're just going around and you're like, you're trying to partner with God. You're trying to see what he sees. And you're going, man, I have been so blessed in my life that I need to, I want to God, give me the strength to carry this blessing. Like, I don't want to just consume it all. I don't, I don't want to just, just, just believe that all of this was intended for me. And I just, I just want to say this, if you're taking notes, that if we're ever going to make a dent in the darkness of this city, we're going to need some men and women who can carry the blessing of God. The cool thing about this is it doesn't come from talent. It doesn't come from skill. It comes from a heart that has walked through the fire, who's gotten on the other side of a struggle and said, hey, man, I didn't give up. I didn't give up. I didn't give up in the fight. I didn't quit when it got hard. I stayed in the struggle. I saw the blessing of God in my life as I got to the other side, and I've got the strength to carry that blessing now. I want to make a difference with my life for eternity. I have the strength to carry God's blessing. I want you to know today that the struggle has its purpose. Struggle has its purpose. The struggle is purifying you. It's refining you. It's building your character. And, it, and it's painful, right? It's not fun. You ever, just, you ever just been in a season where you're like, I'm pretty sure God is refining me right now? You ever just thought that? You ever just been like, man, I'm pretty sure he's trying to build some character in me right now. You ever just like been, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just being a little too vulnerable. Have you ever been before the Lord and been like, I don't want that character. Like, I don't want, I don't want that. Like, I, I'm fine. Like, stop trying to make me, you know. So the struggle builds character. Number three, what I've been learning is that the struggle burns away the counterfeit. It burns away the counterfeit. You see, times of struggle expose what is counterfeit in us. It exposes if we really are who we say we are, doesn't it? Like, you can tell me who you are all day long, but then, like, when you walk through something, that's the proof, isn't it? If you really are who you said you were. I, I, you know, all of us remember, like, the, the 2020, 2021, the, the, the COVID pandemic. And, I mean, to be honest, as a pastor, it was a, it was a pretty unique time to pastor. Like, it's pretty unique to pastor when no one's here. Like, it's, it's, it's weird to preach into a camera. I mean, it's just, we had to, we had to kind of just, just get as creative as possible and just, just kind of flip everything and try to offer things in home to you and whatever. And it was just wild. And one of the things that I, that I saw that I still have seen is, is how many people have, have not come back to church since then. And, and it's not just true of our church, it's true of literally every church. I mean, the, I think the statistic out there is only 65% of people going to church before COVID have come back. Yeah. And so the struggle revealed some things, right? It revealed that there were some people just looking for an opportunity to not have to go to church, right? Maybe they had been guilted into it. Maybe they did it because, like, you know, Grew up that way, thought they should, or maybe they, they just uh, were trying to like, you know, please some family or whatever, but for whatever reason, there are just people who, who were a part of church 
life prior, and now they're not, and it's revealed some things. I think we're living at a time where there are so many other things that we turn to when things are hard, when struggles arise. There are like false idols, quick fixes, ways to numb ourselves out, good old-fashioned sin. Let's just call it what it is, right? And instead of turning to joy, I think too often we turn to pleasure because sin is pleasurable for a season, is it not? But when you stay in the struggle, when you stay in the fight, when you recognize that this thing is hard, it starts burning away all those other things that you used to run to. You, you, start, you start to see like, all right, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a struggle right now. That really doesn't offer me what I thought it would. I, I, putting, putting my hope in this or my energy into that isn't really producing in my life what I want. You start to see all the other things kind of just, just fade away. I think that what happens in a struggle is, is, is we realize this, that there's the you that everyone sees, and then when the struggle comes, there's the real you. You know? And I, I, listen to me. I, I, want, I, I want to be a person. I want to be a man who follows God in such a way that, that when I talk about him and following him when life is good and easy is how I also follow God when life is not. And there have been too many stories or chapters where life has gone crazy and I, and I start immediately going to kind of my default freak out, lack of faith. Like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like to panic and worry and anxiety. Too many stories like that in my life. And I, and I just know that I wanna be somebody that, that like I'm the, I'm the same, I'm, I'm, I'm steady, I'm, I'm, I'm a godly man when life is good and when life isn't. Who am I really? It's a good question. Who are you really? A struggle will show you who you really are. It will burn away the counterfeit and reveal the character. I like the author of Hebrews. I like what he writes in Hebrews 12. He says this, he says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Struggle is real, isn't it? And I like what he's saying here because he's saying, like, don't give up. Stay in the fight. Resist to the point of bloodshed. Like, you think you've resisted? You think you've, 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 you've struggled? Continue to struggle. Continue to struggle. I mean, he's really given this, 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 this picture here of, like, an athlete that puts their body on the line. To the point that they like, they shed some blood or they break a bone, right? Like that's, that's the idea here. Like don't give up. Like, like resist in the struggle. Resist quitting until you like shed some blood or break a bone. On Wednesday, um, our own Jason Godfrey broke his wrist. I don't think he's here today, is he? Yeah, he probably, probably didn't want everyone signing his cast or something, but he was playing uh, 48 years old, playing flag football with our teenagers here in our youth group. And I got to hand it to you. I mean, the guy has some wheels, and, and he was getting in there and throwing his body around, but he came down to the ground, and there was a pop. And, uh, and I've never seen someone look so white in the face. What's cool about Jason is he's the real deal. Like, he's the same. So he, like, he's not swearing, right? I'm like, this is a time I think he'd probably swear. And, like, he's not... He's not, like, he's, he's not even getting angry. He's like, all these kids are around. I'm like hoping he, like, you know, keeps it together. And, and he's just, like, about to vomit because he's like, there's so much pain. So we had to take him to the hospital. But anyway, I just thought it was a good way to insert that story. But um, <laughs> the author of Hebrews is saying, like, like think, think of this struggle. I think of it as, like, an athlete who's putting their body on the line to the point that they shed some blood or, or break a bone or something, something like that. And so I think that most people give up when things get hard. Most people want the easy button. But not me, not you, right? Not me, not you. I'm the real deal, you're the real deal. Struggle has its purpose, everybody. And what I know about myself is this, is that I don't want the counterfeit, I want the real thing. I don't want the counterfeit, I want the real thing. 
I don't want the temporary. I want the eternal. I want the real thing. His name is Jesus. He is faithful, and he's going to get me through. And he is who we fix our eyes on. The struggle, what I, have, what I have learned is that in the struggle, that is where we become desperate for the real thing. The real thing. Just give me Jesus, right? I just want, I want the real thing. Just give me Jesus. I don't want the counterfeit. I want the real thing. In 1871, some of you know this, that the city of Chicago experienced a horrific fire. It was uh, the Great Chicago Fire, and it destroyed 3.3 square miles of the city, including 17,000 buildings. It left 100,000 people homeless, and 300 people lost their lives in this fire. In 1871, the city of Chicago went through, put it mildly, a, a pretty big struggle. The fire was catastrophic. It leveled everything in that area. The city would never look the same, even to this day has never looked the same since. The silver lining in the story is that the fire gave them the chance to build again, to kind of redesign the city, to reshape the city. 15 years after the Great Chicago Fire, the first skyscraper was built in Chicago. Today, Chicago's home to one of the most impressive skylines. If you've been there, it's a city known for its architecture, known for its beauty, and you ask, you ask just about anybody who's familiar with Chicago or from that area, they would say that, that the city of Chicago would not be what it is today had it not gone through that fire. As, as tragic, as horrific as it was, as, as difficult as it was for them to kind of rebuild, the city today would not be what it is had they not gone through that. And in many ways, what people are saying is that the struggle has its purpose. The struggle has its purpose. It burns away counterfeits. Something I've been learning recently is this. Maybe it, maybe it rings home for you, is that even though I'm called by God, my calling has competition. Even though I'm called by God, my calling has competition. In other words, just because God wants to use my life a certain way, there's no guarantee that I'm ever gonna let him use it the way he wants to. There's competition for my purpose. I remember my grandfather Great man, great godly man, died almost two years ago. And one of the, the, the sayings that, that used to come off his, his tongue like often, I mean, we would, I think we quoted this so many times around, at his funeral and around. Grandpa used to always look at us and tell us that everybody has a plan for your life. Everybody has a plan for your life. What I know more than ever is that there are a lot of things in our lives that are competing for our attention, that are competing for our devotion, that are competing for our calling as godly men and godly women. And every one of us in this room are called by God. You believe that? Every one of us in this room, we are called by God. The God of the universe has a plan for you, for your life. He wants to use your life to make a difference for eternity. Every single person in this room right now. But there will always be competition. There will always be competition that opposes who you are supposed to be. You think about Jonah, the classic story of Jonah called to preach to the city of Nineveh, his enemies, people he hates, right? I mean, he, he is not wanting to do that. And so the competition to his calling was the boat that was headed in the other direction. There's competition for your purpose. There's competition for your calling. And, and I think, I think the, 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 maybe the lesson to pull out of Jonah is we got to stay away from the competition. You got to stay away from the competition. I mean, if you think about it like this, like, if, you know, like, if you just kind of like pull an example, it's like, if I ask you the question, what do you believe? What do you believe? Like, who is Jesus to you? You answer that question, who is Jesus to you? You got to then stay away from the competition. Like, you don't even entertain it. You, like, you get your eyes on Jesus. You stay away from the competition. Or, like, what has God asked of you when it comes to your life? What has he asked of you? Stay away from the competition. Stay away from the competition. Why? Why do we do this? Because there is always going to be a boat to take you in the opposite direction of where God wants you to be. Always. Always. 
always. So name your struggle, right? Name your struggle. I came here today to ask you the question, is it possible that in your life the struggle has its purpose? The caveat to that, obviously, is that the struggle doesn't always have purpose. Like, you know, going through something, you know, difficult, it's not always like, oh, man, God must have something for me in this. It's not always that. I was like, man, life is hard. Like, like God did not give you that circumstance necessarily. But what I've learned about God is that, is that there's not always the struggle, like the struggle doesn't always have a purpose, but God always has a way of pulling purpose out of every struggle. And Paul writes this, 2 Corinthians to the, to the church in Corinth, uh, chapter four, 12 verses here. And he says, he says, and I'm getting close. Um, he says, therefore, since through God's mercy, think about that, the mercy of God, right? That which like you don't deserve. Since through God's mercy, we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. So he's talking about the ministry of reconciliation that's been given to us, the ministry of the gospel to give the hope of Jesus to the world. So he says, he says through God's mercy, we have this. It's not an obligation. It's something that we would not have. We could not possess this ministry if it wasn't for what Jesus did on the cross. Like, we get this ministry. This is given to us. He's like, can you believe it? He says, we don't lose heart because this is what we have. He says in verse two, rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Verse four, he says, the God of this age, this is talking about uh, the devil, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Think about that. When you start to think about people as your enemy, you got it all wrong. Paul tells us in Ephesians, right, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. What's it against? Powers and principalities, right? Darkness, heavenly realms. I mean, like, this is like, it's where our struggle really lies. He says in verse four, he says, that the God of this age, he's blinded the minds of unbelievers. He's blinded them, like, so that they actually cannot. They are unable to see the light of the gospel of the glory of God. It, it requires a miracle. It requires the spirit of God to break through what their spiritual enemy has blinded them from being able to see. This is why we pray and intercede for people who are lost. This is why we share the gospel. We've been given this ministry. We've been given this. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Verse 7, he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. He's talking about like kind of the, the mortality of our bodies. Like, like just, just like we're carrying this around in us, this hope in us, in jars of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. In other words, we're not superheroes. We, we, we can't like you know, shoot lightning bolts out of our eyes. We're not like, we're not like, it, 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 we're just people. And when we, when we take this ministry that we've been given to others and we see the gospel change people's lives, it proves that it's not about us, it's about him. Like he's the one with the power. And he says, it says in, in, in verse eight, and this is, this is where we're getting, he says, we're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. 10 and 11 and 12 are so profound. It says we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus might also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Right? In this world, you will have struggle. <laughs> but take heart, I've overcome the world, Jesus says. We're always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. 
this life, this body that is perishing. So then, look in verse 12, death is at work in us, no doubt, but life is at work in you. Death is at work in us. We're perishing, but life is at work in you. The Apostle Paul's talking to the church in Corinth about the struggles that they're facing, and he makes it very clear that they're not gonna veil anything. They're not, they're not trying to hide anything. They're not trying to manipulate. They're not trying to scheme people. They're not trying to make it all seem better than it really is. He's saying that even though things are hard on the outside, even though things are difficult that we walk through, even as followers of Jesus, every time we choose to give this ministry to others, life is being formed on the inside of us. Every time, every single time. And so we are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. God is using the struggles that you and I face to build us into the people that he wants us to be. And he's a good father who does this because your calling, it's more about your who. It's all about your who before it's about your do. I'm called to love Jesus. I'm called to love my wife. I'm called to father my four children. Like pastoring is what I do. It's, it's not... It's not first and foremost what, I, like my, what I'm called to. I am, I am I'm called to these other things first and, and, and foremost. Calling, like it's all about who I am, who God is making me into, and everything else just flows out of that. Everything else just flows out of that. Would you stand? So in the War of 1812, quick little story. I came across, um, as I was doing some research this week in, uh, on Wikipedia, uh, right? Good, good place for source material. But I was like reading about something else and then I clicked on you know, the hyperlink and it took me to a story on Captain James Lawrence. In the War of 1812, his ship was attacked. He's badly wounded. So they bring him down below deck and they start tending to his his injuries, he's mortally wounded, and so he's about to die, and his dying words to his crew were this. He said, don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. I sound, I mean, honestly, like, I, I didn't know you could have such a spiritual moment reading Wikipedia. <laughs> the Spirit of God, like, I mean, I began to feel it, goosebumps, I began to feel it, like, in my body. I'm like, what? What is going on here? Like, God is speaking to me through this story on Wikipedia right now. And so this little phrase began to travel after, after Captain James Lawrence says, hey, tells his, his troops, don't give up the ship. It begins to travel. They, they, uh, uh, people begin to hear about it. it. It takes on a reputation. Now, today it's a common phrase of the Navy. There's flags that you can, you can see flown that say, don't give up the ship. And it's just this call to not give up, right? It's this, it's this call to get the mission done and to not compromise. Like, don't give up the ship. And I just want to say here today, I think that there's something like profound, something prophetic, something, there's some heat on this thought today that in your struggle, don't give up the ship. In your struggle, don't give up the ship because the struggle has its purpose, everybody. The struggle has its purpose. God is at work in your life and he is using these things to make you and I into the people we're meant to be. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads? If you're here today and you would just admit, Pastor Jordan, I got a struggle right now. I'm struggling. And you just need God. You need God to step in. You need God to deliver you. You need God to rewrite the script, to change the outcome. Can I just encourage you today in some prayer and see your hand? If that's you right now, you're just in a struggle. The struggle is very, very, very real. And you need the God of the universe, the God who still does miracles to step into your life and change the story right now. Father, I ask right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would step in to every story that's represented under, with every person here today under the sound of my voice who has their hand raised. I pray miracle story after miracle story. I thank you, God, that every time you were met with the impossible, you overcame. Every time everybody said there's no other way, no other option, you are a God who stood up to that 
and, and you, you made something out of nothing. I thank you that your track record throughout history is to do the impossible, to step into lives that are broken and bring them back together, to step into relationships that are, that are uh, uh, I mean, really on the brink, beyond repair. And God, you have all throughout history brought people back together. You've, you've saved people. You've changed outcomes. And so I ask God, we call upon that God today, Not, nothing less, nothing smaller than that God. We call upon you today and say, Father, would you go to work in the stories and the lives of every person today who is desperate, who is in a struggle, who needs the God of the universe to, to show himself strong on their behalf, God, I pray deep encouragement to everyone who is in despair, deep encouragement to everyone who is uh, frustrated right now, unsure of what the next step should be. God, I pray for profound wisdom for how to walk through the struggle right now. Wisdom in the struggle. God, we wanna become wise in the struggle. So Father, would you speak? Would you do your thing now? In Jesus' precious name, if you're here today and you would just say, Pastor Jordan, there is some competition for my calling and for my purpose. There are some things that are, that are getting in the way, some things that have distracted me. I just know, I don't, you don't even need to name it because you just know that there's some, there's some competition for your calling, for the purpose that God has on your life. And you just, you just wanna see that stuff go. You, you wanna see that stuff gone. You wanna see God move that out of your life. Can I just see your hand today? You need some prayer. You wanna admit that there's some competition for your, for your purpose to carry this ministry of reconciliation into the world to make a difference for eternity. God, I pray right now that we would have laser focus. God, that you would give us tunnel vision for you and your kingdom. Father, the things that, that, that so easily distract and disrupt, God, all the counterfeit stuff that we run to and turn to, all the things that really uh, do not stand when the fire comes. Lord, I pray that stuff would go. I pray we'd stop turning to the right or to the left, but we'd keep on this path of following hard after the things of God. God, you'd make us into the people you have us, uh, you'd have us be and, and that this comp the competition, the things that are fighting for our attention, fighting for our focus, fighting for our purpose, those things, we wouldn't even give them the time of day any longer. I pray freedom over this place. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen and amen.